Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So it turns out Biden's issues are a messaging issue, Jim. 93 WIBC, it's the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Kebs here. Jim Merritt, former Indiana State Senator, in for Casey today. So last hour, we did a a story that said 76% of Americans uh, essentially believe the country is headed in the wrong There's no trust. Broken. I mean, it's it's an over... I mean, it's just a huge majority of Americans. It's Democrats, it's Republicans, it's independents. And yet what amazes me is say what you want about Bill Clinton, and probably it's because he was the pre-internet era and things were different, but when he got his clock cleaned in 94, he didn't dig his heels in and go, oh, no, 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 it's a messaging issue. He recognized, no, I got a major problem with the American populace, and even if I don't agree with it, I care about my own survival more than whatever issue I'm is in front of he me. He pivoted. Exactly. Yeah, and, and he, he did that as... Arkansas governor, he lost and sat out a couple a couple years, yeah, and then ran again and won. So he he had he adjusted his approach twice, and and, and as a result, he he they had a to his credit, he gets credit for that. As do the Republicans in the House at the time. They had a balanced budget. It spurred a reelection for him. It spurred a roaring economy because when you can rely on the government, then the economy does better. What a novel concept, but. That those days are gone because the Democrats, despite, I mean, just evidence just hitting them right between the eyes of how upset the people are with their policies, they remain dug in. No, 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 the policies are fine. You just don't understand how good they are. Right, and a lot of people don't realize that the Federal Reserve uh, plays an enormous role in the economy, maybe even more so than the president. And with all this inflation yeah. and what they're trying to do is ring that out because all the spending before, yep. people really don't – that kind of the detail, that's kind of the something that people really don't uh, pay much attention to. It. It's it's our old man president yeah. who is shuffling out to talk and make mistakes at a microphone. That's what they're seeing. Yeah, it's an interesting – you use the term ringing it out. And I was thinking about this last night. Jim, as you know, I have a, a, a four-month-old baby. Yes, you do. And those uh, – And a beautiful one. I don't, I don't – yes, looks just like her mother. Uh, Lucky for God her. Bless her. Uh, took after her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, the babies, I don't know if you know this, Jim, uh, they don't, had ex- a couple. they don't exactly, uh, have control of when and where they go to the bathroom. No, they don't. And so we had uh, one of those instances yesterday and I was given the great privilege of being in charge of, uh, taking care of the clothes that were a victim in that uh, great, <laughs> I'm not going to use the term great massacre, but maybe that would be the great, a bomb. Yeah, it was. Um, <clears throat> and so you don't just. If anybody's ever had a kid and had to go through this, you don't just throw the clothes in the washer because that doesn't solve the act of cleaning the clothes. And that's a great metaphor. Well, this is what I do. This is why I make the huge money. Yeah. This is why I'm highly paid to be here, Jim. Yeah. Um, and and you can o- almost make the metaphor attached to the the substance that came out of your baby. Yeah, well, yes. Very good. <laughs> So the point is, there has to be a strategy on how are we going to solve this. Mm-hmm. And you're right, the Fed is is essentially taking a crap-filled onesie and is trying to solve the issue, but the government 
keep saying, no, 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 you can't put the cleaner on it. You can't let it sit. You guys just got to throw this thing in the washer and fix it right now. And they're like, this isn't how this operates. That is you, exactly right. You guys got to get the spending under control. You play a role in this. Yeah, and, and the and the crap is, pardon me. Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> Boy, but but I, I want to point this out too. Jim Jim uh, made it made a great uh, a great observation. I've known you for seven years. Yeah, I've never heard you swear. I don't do that. I'm, I, I told Kevin, I don't even think I've ever seen Jim get angry. Like, I'm worried you're going to have a Ned Flanders-esque breakdown, and we're going to have to put you in a mental institution at some point, because I've never even some seen people, you get angry. Some people have suggested that. I, so my, my point but but all, the point is, is we keep putting that in the washer and not have the pre-cleaning. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're exactly right. You're right. Okay, so here's a perfect example of this. So this guy is Jared Moskowitz. He is a Democrat U.S. rep from Florida. He's on CNN. And he's saying, no, no, it's just a messaging issue. So we've now heard from a handful of Democrats, from David Axelrod uh, to Congresswoman uh, Jayapal uh, to obviously Dean Phillips, who's running against Biden in the primaries, all expressing concern about Biden's run in 2024, especially after the latest poll numbers. Um, do you share those concerns? I don't share those concerns. Now, look, I think we should look at the poll. we got to get into the data, and we can figure out how we need to improve our, our messaging. Because I do think we have a messaging issue in that we got to continue to feed the beast every single solitary day. You know, that, that, uh, whoever becomes president, uh, hopefully it's a Republican uh, next time, a year from now. But uh, it's not going to just pivot into the positive. There, right. there are so many bridges that have been burned down yep. to success uh, in a, a, a economy and in a world that we were used to yep. for so long that, um, you know, there are a lot of millennials and people that are a little younger than you have never experienced uh, having to, you know, buy a pizza for $25. Yeah. It, it, that, that inflation has stunned America. And one of the reasons why it led to that 76% of the people that just don't trust government, the credibility isn't there because we've been lied to and things aren't going the way we think they should. Well, and you can extrapolate this and bring it back to the state level where you are. And since you have left the state house, you have seen massive expansion. Now, you know me, I love you, but I'm going to be critical of mm -hmm. you for the, the gas tax and things like that. But We the, disagree on that. We, we do, and that's fine. That's okay. That's and why we're here. It, yes, and you didn't scream at me, unlike that guy that screamed a hammer earlier today. <laughs> um, but since you have left the state house, this is two budgets in a row where you have seen, ma I mean, a massive growth of government from the state of Indiana. And the problem is you can't business growth your way to keep up with that growth of government. And, and we talked about whether it was Medicaid expansion or these states version of entitlements. That I'll give exist. you an example. You can't, uh, you can't, you can't raise enough taxes to keep up with that. Right. And, and but also the money that came in from the federal government was yep. incredible in the 21 budget. They decided they were going to budget $400 million to rebuild, build a prison in Northwest Indiana. And there were no plans. <laughs> And so, you know, you know, they were just trying to section off money, uh, budget money for that a that you know you have money and people will come. Yeah, and and, and so it, it's um, we have a reawakening. We need a reawakening in Indiana and America that has to create a bond of trust between government and its and its citizens, and it's not there right now, yeah. Robert. Uh, speaking of messaging. And this is just, I mean, this is a great example. This guy's going to tell you we have a messaging issue. No, you have a Joe Biden is a pathetic excuse for a president issue. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things with Biden is he gets caught in so many lies 
Biden gets caught in so many lies on things that have nothing to do with policy mm-hmm. that when he tries to sell a policy, people go, wait, wait a second. If we're catching you in lies on things that have nothing to do with policy that are easily disprovable, why would anyone believe you when you're making a pitch on public policy? Well, not only that, um, in the beginning, when he came in and did those 40-some executive orders and really trashed what Trump had done, uh, you have to agree that this is what he said he would do. Yeah, you have to but, listen. Yeah, you have to listen. And and he brought climate. He in a far left um, approach to government that was completely different than what we were used to. And and but then along the way in the last three years, he has stumbled and bumbled and and blurred and mumbled a, a message. Um, but not only that, the tone deafness of somebody saying it's the message, it's the policies. Yeah, no, you're. you're- it has changed. We have we have made Iran. Uh, strong yeah. because of of our gas, uh, our our um, fossil fuel policy. Let me play an example of what I'm talking about. So he has told this story many many times, and it has been totally debunked multiple times about him riding on Amtrak and how often he rode on Amtrak and this supposed big celebration for him riding on Amtrak. And what I mean by totally debunked is the guy who he's referencing. So he's referencing this guy in the story. He's telling it again, like this was yesterday. He told this story despite it being debunked multiple times by many, many, many news organizations. And this guy he's referencing, when he's claiming he was vice president, retired in 1993. And so here is this story that there's no physical way the story could have happened, and yet he is still telling the story. So when I was coming home to see my mom, and I just, uh, she was living with us at the time, my dad passed away. <laughs> And uh, I got in a train on a Friday, and um, and I won't get him into complete trouble. Let's tell his first name. He was number two in seniority at the time, Angelo. And Ange came up to me as I walked in. He said, Joey! And he grabbed my cheek. He said, Joey, baby! And he said, all this stuff, because I did, that's published in the newspaper, that I had traveled a million, 200,000 miles on Air Force planes as vice president. They published that on a regular basis. He said, big, I won't quote him exactly, but he said, big deal, Joey. And I said, what's it mean, Angie? He said, look, he said, we just had the retirement dinner up in Newark. He said, you know how many miles you travel on Amtrak? And I said, no. He said, a million, I think it was 320,000 miles. And I said, how'd you figure that? He said, well, 118 days a year, almost 300 miles a day, 36 years, plus his wife, and he went on the whole deal. I said, I believe you, Hanson. Let me get in the train, will you? I mean, he tells it. He tells it with such specific, you know. There's no way it's like, oh, he's just slightly confused. He's telling intricate details, and there is no way this story happened. And he has to have been told by his people, dude. Major media outlets who are usually on our side have even debunked this story, and he just gets up there and people just laugh like it's. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the, we originally were talking about the messaging being the only thing. Well, he's a terrible messenger, but they also have a terrible product. Yeah, you're right. You're and, right. And people are suffering because of the product. Did you see what happened to those poor police officers in Indianapolis the other day? That guy rammed oh, their cars. It's it goes to back to the uh, the broken judicial system that Hammer talked about in the city of Indianapolis, and nobody's willing to recognize it. This was this is an unbelievable story. This guy has now done this. It appears uh, alleged. Four different times he has rammed police officers. He was back on the 
Street again. And Rick Snyder from NDFOP is going to join us next to give all the details on another example of rampant crime, violent crime in the city of Indianapolis. Jim Meriton for Casey. It's Kendall and Casey Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We had it all Just like Bobby and the call Starring in our room Another extreme attempt of violence on police in Indianapolis 93 WIBC It is the Kendall and Casey show I'm Rob Casey out today Jim Merritt in for Casey Let's go to the WIBC hotline Joined by our friend Rick Snyder He is the head of the Indy FOP and once again, Rick, another act of violence or attempted violence on police officers. This time, a guy who, for not the first time, is ramming police vehicles. Tell us what happened. Yeah, we had a guy that uh, rammed a police car that was occupied on a traffic stop. Not once, not twice, but three times. And uh, upon apprehension of that suspect, uh, we learned that he was actually the same suspect who had allegedly rammed three police cars earlier in this year. See, he was out on bond for that prior uh, crime, uh, which blew the mind of officers. But then to find out that he was back out and doing it again, uh, we realized the the, uh, danger that was imposed upon this officer that could have lost his life. They made the arrest, take him to jail, and within a matter of hours, he's back out on the streets again. Uh, So, uh, you know, I said it publicly, our officers across the city are pissed off at what has gone on here. They can't believe that they have to constantly re-risk their lives to bring uh, uh, violent offenders to justice. And this uh, whole incident proves once again exactly what we've been saying, Rob. The courts, when we make an arrest, the courts are not reviewing. Now, follow this. They're not reviewing the probable cause that's being submitted. They're not reviewing the details of the incident that has occurred. And they're not reviewing the criminal history of the suspects that are being arrested. This proves it. Otherwise, if that had been done, this suspect would have never been released. So uh, we uh, raised a lot of issues about this yesterday. I did a pretty, uh, I guess, uh, humorous video. Uh, I, you know, it's funny, but it's sad at the same time. Uh, yesterday on my Twitter, at Rick, FOP86. Um, and in that, I, I suggested to the... Uh, to the judges in Marion County, we can fix this revolving door of criminal justice, and it's called having a highlighter. They just simply highlight when the violation has occurred, and that will remind them not to release the bad guy from jail. So we, we started a new phrase, be a crime fighter, get a highlighter. Uh, it's Rick a pretty Sni- sad state in Indianapolis. Rick Snyder, head of NDFOP, is our guest, um, and we're talking about the, the story of this guy who rammed uh, multiple police cars uh, the other night. And by the way, this is the fourth, according to Fox 59, the fourth time in, in recent years that this sort of thing has happened. We verified that, and we also learned that there's been eight police vehicles that have been destroyed by the suspect in four separate incidents. Each one of those police cars averages about $35,000, so it's the taxpayer that's on the hook for paying for that, and it gets worse every time he does it. He's in a stolen truck, an F-250, and F-350, so we have uh, victims there, and it proves this point. We, we have preventable victim after preventable victim in this city. And it all goes back to the revolving door of criminal justice. That's why we've said our problem's not at the state house. It's in the Marion County Courthouse. Yeah. But we do plan to go to the state house to seek some state intervention 
since the locals aren't willing to fix it themselves. And that's, that's kind of been our, our theme today. Look, it is election day, and one of these two guys, Shriver Hawks, that's going to be the, the next mayor. And, you know, we had Robert Evans, who has been trying like heck for two years to get information where Hawks that was during the riots, can't get anything. We had Charles Harrison of the 10-Point Coalition on last hour talking about violence in the city. It doesn't seem like the people who have the ability to do something, Rick, it doesn't seem like any of them want to step up and actually do something. Well, what we keep finding is it's very difficult to find good people that are willing to run for elected office. And it's because they see what many in our city already know, which is the capital city is swirling the drain. I mean, honestly, who wants to take that on? And it's swirling the drain when it comes to crime and violence, which impacts every walk of life in our community, especially the business community. That's why you see businesses closing up shop, leaving town. You see corporations unwilling to set up shop in Indianapolis, and now they're doing it in the surrounding counties, such as Boone County and Hamilton County, with large construction projects. You see sports venues that are even moving out of the Marion County uh, lines. And I think at the end of the day, somebody has to be willing to say we're at a fundamental fork in the road in our city, and we have to make a determination of which way we're going to go. I hope that this election, you know, many people have said, we don't really have a choice here. Which one of the, We don't want either one of these guys is what people have said. The FOP has said we're not willing to endorse either one of these candidates. So people have said, well, what, what does that leave us with? It leaves us with pretty, pretty challenging times, and uh, hopefully it's a wake-up call to the politicians and to the voters alike. Yeah, and I think that's the most depressing thing is you look at Shreve and Hogsett, and we talked about this with kind of Reverend Harrison last hour. I don't feel either one of these guys have put forward the plan necessary to solve violence in in the city of Indianapolis. Well, solutions do exist. That's the key point we've been making. You know, a lot of people say it's too far gone. We can't fix this. That's not correct. Solutions do exist. We just have to get <clears throat> we just have to get back to basics in policing, in criminal justice. We need judges who are actually balancing the right of victims and the safety of the community with the rights of the accused. You see, they've gotten so out of kilter and been hijacked by such a woke mindset that they place all their focus on the offender and figuring out ways to keep them out of jail versus keeping them in jail. So it's a very simple solution. I would say this, that our FOP does stand ready to work alongside anyone uh, after this election who's willing to put people and policing over politics. And so I hope that regardless of the outcome, whoever is the victor, that they realize that we can do better, we, we should be doing better, and I just want them to know we're willing to work on that. But we're going to need somebody to boldly stand up and say, hey, I'm setting all this junk aside. I'm going to stand for the victims, the hardworking, law-abiding residents and visitors of our city. And this has a regional and statewide impact, and it's time that we make a change. Uh, real quick, before I let you go, Rick Snyder, head of Indy FOP, is, uh, is our guest. I saw I have a friend who used to be with IMPD, is no longer with him now. He's with the Suburban Police Department. And he posted huh. something, something to the effect of, over the past several years, 200 law enforcement officers have left IMPD, not because they're leaving policing, but they've gone to other police departments. Does that sound accurate? Absolutely. I think, if anything, it may be a little low. We have more officers <clears throat> leaving the IMPD than we can bring in the door. That is why we have said we have to go, We have to focus on retention. So here's a great example for the next mayor, whoever that's going to be. Your number one challenge 
right after today is to get after how are you going to formulate an IMPD contract that actually incentivizes the experienced officers we have to stay and bring in new ones at that. The problem is, is that our guys and gals that are out there working right now that have been here for years, their morale is actually worn down to a nub. It's challenging for any supervisor to keep veteran officers and proactive officers, especially in our high-risk units, uh, where we need highly motivated officers to go out there and bring these violent offenders to justice. What they are saying to us time and time again is the risk has long surpassed the reward in working in Indianapolis, and that has to change, my friend. And, and, and we'll let you go with this. I mean, that should really scare everybody because if you can't staff the force, you can't, you can't police the city. Well, the first step in public safety is for individuals to police themselves. The second step is to rely upon a strong, um, well-trained police department. But when you take the second step out of the way, you have to return to the first step, which is you better be prepared to police yourselves because the women and men that we have are, are choosing to go to other agencies, other cities and towns where they feel supported. And they also have systems that are in place that hold the violent offenders accountable not the law-abiding citizens. All right. Well, you know, we always try to close with this, Rick, man. And I tell your men and women out there, we love them and we appreciate all that law enforcement does, both, you know, in the city of Indianapolis and across central Indiana and, and the entire state of Indiana. And, man, tell them please don't quit. They don't deserve Joe Hogsett, but please, please don't quit because we need them. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, please pray for your police, man. Thank you very much. 93 WIBC. It's Kennel and Casey Show. Bumper music, Kev. <laughs> Not only is it Harry Chapin, and you know, Jim, I love Harry Chapin. Yes. Oh, yeah. Cat from the cradle. Will you back me up on this? I've been telling Maybe. Kev this <laughs> for years now, the years that Kevin and I've worked together, that everything's for years now. The time just all runs together at this it point. Didn't, he didn't look old. How long have minute. you been here for, Kev? Have you been here for years? Have we I've worked been, together for years? I've been at WIBC for, yeah, four years, I think. Okay, because I trained you. Yeah, that was when I first started here. Well, but our I was listeners, working. he doesn't look older in a minute. I know. You should see this picture, Jim. I'll show it to you uh, at some point in our we have our little template that we work off you of know, and i actually took that picture down i noticed you did that yeah. kev this is kev how old were you in that photo that you've got you had in that little box there i was i believe i was 23 or oh my 24. gosh jim he is so fresh-faced and so excited well, he about don't look life. like he shaves now yeah i mean he's just happy <laughs> and then he came so you i was working with the women right when you started here yeah and oh, i would women. fill in for you sometimes. the two women remember oh, i used women. to work with the two women oh i remember at the, the show mm-hmm. at the show yeah and i trained you and Everyone told Kevin, they were like, Rob is only here because he's very valuable as the fill-in guy, and we have to have an excuse to pay him. And so do not. (laughs) Rob shows up to work, and that's about the extent of his actual production efforts. So just, like, don't be like Rob. Yeah, I think Matt (laughs) told me, like, when I first talked to him about you, he's like, yeah, you're going to train with Rob. Uh, He kind of marches to the beat of his own drum. Rob is not interested in the show he produces whatsoever. He's only here to be the fill-in guy. It's definitely a rapid <laughs> drum. Yeah, that's um, true. Uh, but I've told Kevin this for years, that if you are looking to a free lane to a woman's heart, and it's a lane that no other people his age are filling, 
you just start quoting Harry Chapin or Fogelberg or Jackson Brown. Tear up. Springsteen. And, and cry. Yeah. The women <laughs> love that stuff. And they don't even know what they're, they're not, they don't, the best part is the chicks your age, they don't even know they're being manipulated. And Kevin, do you just nod <laughs> when he's giving you all this advice? Yeah. I just kind of uh, take it all you go in. with it. Yeah. I just let him do all the talking. He is your elder. There's a lot yeah. of them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, it's perfect though. Um, Harry Chapin's I Want to Learn a Love Song because there is a big election going on today, Jim. I don't know if you're aware of this. I am very aware. Not even in the state of Indiana. Uh, Porn Dem is on the is on the ballot. <laughs> and people may be saying, well, like who that's the uh, the name given to Susanna Gibson, I think is her name. And she is running in Virginia in uh for a for a state house seat in Virginia. And unlike right. Indiana, Virginia is very divided. Delicate. It's yeah, very it's very close, you know, the house. And the Virginia Senate. is a hotbed right now because every legislative yeah. seat is important because the governor, Youngkin, has been everywhere uh, talking about his plan for the future and he needs to turn one house. Yeah, and she so it's literally the house could hang in porn dems, yeah. you know, election yeah. and she's in kind of a swing area. So for those of you, we actually swing area. You know, hey, I see what you did there. hey um, she, So we covered this story when it broke, she is a nurse by trade, nurse practitioner, and it came to light that she and her husband are a part of a webcam service where um, you pay a nominal fee and you can uh, earn the right to watch them. And then I believe maybe if you pay a much less nominal fee and more money you can instruct them on what to do and boy jim they're they're doing it all Mm -hmm. for the well i have a question yes did her opponent undress her (laughs) (laughs) so this came to light right i mean like somebody saw this woman either in an ad or whatever and they're like wait a second i have seen this woman on a webcam and she did not look like she does on that billboard and they, you know, obviously gave this, whether to her opponent or whatever, and it came to light. And she was just outraged that, that somebody would call into question the fact that apparently for money she will do sexually related acts on her webcam. Yeah, and, and, and the character, I mean, she's a character, but she has no character. And, <laughs> and, and you know, the whole idea about this is it's almost symptomatic of what's happening sure. in politics today is that uh, people aren't people don't care. People really aren't looking. I imagine when somebody asks somebody today in Indianapolis, you're going to vote. You, oh, it's election day. Yeah. I think people are really uh, ignoring the political process. And this is just a symptom. This is just sim- uh, symbolic of what's happening with candidates today. And the, the outrage thing is, is she was out. She was upset that people made an issue. I mean, it's so tone deaf. I um, listen to this quote from the Daily Mail. Are you ready for this? I am. This is just, this is why our government is what it is. Ready? <laughs> Here we go. The Democratic hopeful tells the audience that she's in an open relationship with her husband, though he, quote, doesn't like sharing, adding that the money requested was, quote, for a good cause. The question is, is will she have an open relationship with her constituents? Well, <laughs> well and, and Jim... If this woman can win, right? Because mm-hmm. who you are as a human should play into your serving the public, oh, right? Absolutely. 
I mean, it's the it, bedrock. That's not dirty politics to say, look, you are doing this. This is dirty politics. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this, you, yeah, you, are, you are doing this for money. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is your life experience and how does it prepare you for the job in question? Mm-hmm. And so whatever you do, like, there's nothing wrong with her doing this. If her and her husband have this agreement and they're, everybody's, you know, consenting adult, there's nothing, we're not saying illegal or even that unethical mm-hmm. about her doing that. Right. However, once you go from, I'm a private citizen doing this for money to, I am asking to be a representative of the, of the public, spend public money, and be able to tell the public what to do, then absolutely... People are going to judge. The public does get to judge you yeah. because you're about to... It's like when people go, oh, Rob, you're so mean to these politicians. They deserve it yeah. well, because they get to dictate what I do with my life. I don't have any power over anyone. Yeah, they have it, the power over me. It used to be, and and it still can be. Our 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 candidates, our leaders, our, our, uh, the people that, that, uh, that we trust have to have the character that we see in ourselves. Yeah. And and this is completely broken. You ever have a big scandal? Not you. I know you were as, as pure as the wind-driven snow. <laughs> but did you ever have like a scandal when you were in the state house that you had to deal with? Was there ever some sort of... The one guy that got... Didn't one guy get caught in a hotel room one time? Oh, yeah. Well, but, but just various issues that... How'd you, you deal with that? You're out of here? Did you go tell him you're gone? See ya? Well, that was in the House of Representatives. and and uh, But in the Senate... We had some situations where uh, at one point, and this is when I was 33 years old and not very much older than the the interns that we hired, but uh, one of our members had gotten friendly with an oh, intern. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to cancel the internship program because when I would go out and recruit in high school, not high schools, but colleges and talk to parents that we promised we would take care of their their kid. Yeah. And, and when this happened, I wanted to cancel it. Obviously, we didn't. But um, bottom line is, you need character in in your government officials, and she is not one. I love that you chose this song. I'm just going to shut up now and let you play it to the break. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Jim Merritt in for Casey today. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, you'll be back tomorrow, right? Yes, I you will. Had, you had so much fun today. And hope, be back tomorrow. hopefully it'll last me back more. Yeah, I, I love this. <laughs> uh, you know, it's crazy. A lot of people don't realize that Jim and I have been doing radio together now for what seven, seven-ish years. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> seven years? To your detriment. Yeah. I showed up at Jim Merritt's doorstep and I said, hey, 
we should do a community affairs type program together to tell people, tell people what's going on at the state house and boy do you regret agreeing to that oh it was a pleasure we did 102 podcasts two years in a row yeah. straight yeah and i was actually allowed in the state house back then that's how much time has changed <laughs> we had one at the state house in fact uh, that's that's right in the governor's office and we interviewed him and the supreme Co- chief justice yeah. of the supreme court yeah boy those were uh those were those connections times. you had <laughs> <laughs> had oh all right so it is election day and obviously somebody's going to walk out of this the next mayor of the city of indianapolis like I, and we talked about this throughout the program today we've been talking about the violence in the city i don't think either one of these guys got the answers right now i hope i'm wrong i hope whoever wins does make the city safer i just don't feel like either of these two guys got the fire the passion or the answers to make the city safer this a hundred thousand dollar job <laughs> CEO of the of the county, yeah, mayor of Indianapolis is an enormous undertaking, and and the next mayor, whoever is elected today, is going to have to weld together the justice department, the the prosecutor, the the uh, the courts, the IMPD. No and, way they're doing that. Uh, no well, way. That's what should be happening. It should be kind of the crown of Marion County is everybody working together because. Uh, nothing's working. The courts aren't working. IMPD's struggling. Uh, it's just a it's a real situation where that individual is is from day one. Uh, and and uh, and and Joe's got to, Mayor Hogg says just got to do something different. He's got to bring people together. Jefferson Shreve will be a fresh. Uh, look at it should he win so it's a quite an undertaking for whoever is going to lead the city in the next four years we talked about this earlier because we had abdul as coach yesterday it seems like the early voting did somewhat favor shreve a lot of republicans it seemed like got out an early vote but you have no i mean mary county's so blue yeah well you don't have any idea number one but two uh, when I was Marion County Chairman, we were just getting into voting before Election Day. Yeah. And and, and uh, the Republican Party, Joe Ellison, has done a good job of emphasizing to the base that we, it starts in early October. The election is today, but um, for the past month or so, it's been so important to get out and, and vote prior to Election Day. Okay, if let's operate, because again, it's so such a blue county. Now, maybe Shreve will pull off the upset, and that'll be interesting. But it will let's, be interesting. Let's, let's operate that he that it doesn't work okay Okay. if you're shreve and you do a deep dive because if you spent 20 million dollars on something i assume you're going to do an analysis of it which i I don't know that's exactly what he spent maybe a little more maybe a little less but if you spent that amount of money and you don't win don't you kind of look back and go talking about abortion was a bad idea i mean it just seemed like he was responsive and subservient to hog set throughout much of this race well and when i ran in 2019 i actually did a deep dive in my own mind and looking at the numbers so i uh i, I let's hope uh, jefferson shreve doubles that today uh, but uh the bottom line is is that both individuals are going to have to look back on the election and see and and ask what if and and uh and and the idea and and we've talked about this the idea that every question that jefferson shreve has gotten since may when he won the primary should have been come back around if they ask him about the animal shelter he 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 should have brought it right back down to crime and how that impacts it infrastructure it, a lot like what they do on the federal government climate change they always bring transportation uh meaning highways 
back to yeah. climate change. What, uh, and I'm sure if Jefferson looks at it, um, and and we know it's a 60-40 Democrat Republican county. Uh, but and I'm hoping that Shreve wins. But should he not? Uh, the idea of crime, 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 and and we we can't pick up the uh, phone. We can't pick up your phone. You can't pick up a newspaper or listen on the radio and WIBC and not think about crime because it's all over the place. The judicial branch needs complete restructure, yeah. restructure along with uh, IMPD. Yeah, and, and again, it just seemed like this whole race, he was responding to Hogshead. And, and politics is a lot like sports, Jim, and you know this better than anybody because you were beloved and won all your elections before you met me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you, you, But you know that it's like you got to come up with a game plan. And in sports, the team that wins isn't always the best team or the best players, but the team who can enact their game plan. And back, make other to, team. back in 2007, uh, Greg Ballard had momentum. Yep. And that's what you're talking about. He, he started the trend after getting the nod in, in May, and from then on it he just built the wall if you will yeah. and and uh one brick brick by brick and it was uh he he got momentum and the property tax issue which wasn't mayor peterson's issue but it stuck to him and uh, and greg ballard rode that to victory and kept it up for the next four years and won re-election in a democrat county there's other elections going on the other i guess big one you might say is out there in, in carmel we touched on that a little bit earlier and look suit I'm not a Sue Finkham fan, but she seems like she's palatable enough for the blue-turning Hamilton County. You live up there. I I think she's going to be fine. I think Sue has left it all out on the field. I'm a fan. I I like the people around her. Uh, (laughs) I think think she'll be an excellent mayor because she has the experience on the council. I've always been one that thinks if you're going to be governor, you should serve in the legislature prior so you know what you're talking about. But uh, bottom line is is one thing in Westfield— you're going to have a completely different council and a completely different mayor, all new. So that'll be really wonderful to to watch that ever-growing city uh, flourish. Yeah. Uh, did you early vote? Are you an early voter? I, I'll vote after. Uh, vote. I'll vote in 15 minutes okay, or so. Okay, very yeah. good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, w- you're coming back tomorrow, right? Yes, anyway, I am. You if off. they ask me, you walked in this morning and said, "I'm so excited to be doing this." I, I said, am. I said, "We'll see I where you're. At. We'll see where you're at at noon." <laughs> Usually, we do one segment together and you go on your merry way. So we'll see where you're at after three hours. Uh, Jim Merritt, man, it's been a blast today. I'm excited for tomorrow, and we'll look forward to those election results for tomorrow. Good day, Robert. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks to Jim Merritt, Kevin, outstanding job as always. Thank you to you, the listener. You're the most important part in the equation. Know you know us and uh, stick around. Tony Katz coming up next. Kendall and Casey show 93 WIBC.